Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. Hey, this is Travis Book. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I think the like biggest musical impression as a kid was when Whitney Houston sang the national anthem Amazing. in her like tracksuit. Oh. I was a huge Whitney Houston fan. I mean, oh just God. like studied every movement of her voice. Sorry, my dog is also a singer and she's back there. She can hear Do your you voice. Do you hear her yelping? Yeah, I just want to be like, birdie. Welcome to the Travis Book Happy Hour Podcast. I'm Travis Book. This episode is brought to you by Americana Vibes and Thompson Guitars, makers of fine instruments handmade with love in Sisters, Oregon. In the spring of 2021, I was joined on the happy hour by my good friend, Nikki Bloom. I'd first met Nikki when her band, The Gramblers, was opening for the String Dusters in Montana. Later, she joined us as a sixth member for our Ladies and Gentlemen tour following the release of the album by the same name. Funny, gracious, and kind, we became good friends, and when I started the show, she was at the top of my list. We had a wonderful couple of days playing and talking, and the resulting interview was really special. This podcast is an edited distillation of the full-length Happy Hour, which aired live on March 9th of 2021. I edit pretty heavily for the podcast, but full episodes of this and every Happy Hour can be viewed anytime at thetravisbookhappyhour.com. Peace band this time. We're moving up in the world. Thank you all for being here in the studio audience. I had an interesting week myself. What, what'd you do? How was it? Why was it interesting? Thanks for asking, Tommy. <laughs> Well, I went to Nashville is one thing I did, and I played some music with some friends, and that was really nice. Nice. And this is the oversharing part of the show. Um, I think it's, it's taken me, I think this is my 15th episode, and I'm finally going to overshare. It's about to happen. I discovered, <clears throat> I'm going to be honest with you guys, I, I discovered, this is a little unsettling, it's unsettling, I discovered this week that I'm angry, and that I have anger issues, and I... I, or rather that I've got stuff in me that's gone unaddressed and unprocessed and it causes me to be agitated and it expresses itself as frustration, impatience, and ultimately I'm realizing as anger. And I've said it before, avoidance is my favorite coping strategy. In fact, it might be my only coping strategy. So there are things in my life that I've avoided, like pain, loss, rejection, you know, life events, things that we all experience. I honestly don't even know because I've done a really good job of avoiding all of them, you know? So I don't even know what these things are. Um, I've never been really able to get deep enough into therapy to really uncover these things. So it leaves me in a bit of a predicament 
vis-a-vis this little, this little show called the happy hour and this illusory self that I've built, the happy bass player or someone who is sort of always smiling, right? We'll call this happy Travis. And this is the Travis that most of you know, you know, because this is the Travis that I am most of the time when I'm playing music. So, Tra- so Happy Travis has painted himself into a little corner <laughs> where there's an image that he's kind of required to project, right? I named my show The Happy Hour, after all, right? I was asking for it. But it's not always in alignment with who Travis is at any given moment. Like, there's no room in this persona for introverted Travis or depressed Travis or scared Travis or resentful Travis. And I'm also those things. And I also have pain and hurt. And I have to make friends with this. And frankly, I'm terrified. And I always ask my guests what they're afraid of. And I usually say that I'm not afraid of anything. Because I'm not really like afraid of bears or death or COVID or people breaking into my house. You know, I don't worry about these sort of things. But I realize that it's not true. I am actually afraid of digging in and turning over the stones of my past and the pain and the confusion that it'll lead to. And so more than that, I'm realizing I'm afraid that I'll continue to live in denial and illusion without ever knowing and healing myself. And I'm afraid that I won't break the cycle and my son will find himself on the cusp of 40, angry and alone and afraid. Like his dad. That's what I thought about this week. But I have a song that goes with it. And I remembered that I'd written this song. I need to pull the lyrics up to make sure that I sing it right. I remember that I wrote this song when Sarah and I moved to town. And ironically, we were sitting on the porch of the same house that Nikki Bloom is staying at this week. So it's all kind of full circle. Let me see. Let me get these lyrics out. I know this is like the least professional thing ever to have my iPhone out here, but I just want to make sure I get these words right. And his shadow's coming closer as the moon goes over the hill. Still he runs. He can't stand another day as the man he's become. And his shadow's coming closer. over the hill What do we see when we are hiding Where can we go when we're gone Yeah, what will it take to break down Show our faces and hide no more Hiding every day Far away from the people that I love Too afraid of what they say And what is coming round the bend Never end see when we are hiding where do we go when we're gone yeah what will it take to break down show our faces and hide no more
Yeah, what do we see when we are hiding? Where do we go when we're gone? Yeah, what will it take to break down? Show our faces and hide no more. So much for happy hour, huh? <laughs> Don't worry, I'll bring it back. That's the game we play here. I do appreciate y'all tuning in. This has, been a, this has been an interesting trip. You know, we've been doing this for about nine months now. This is episode number 15. And we have six more to go. And then who knows what'll happen. I guess things are, things are, times are changing. Everyone's getting vaccinated and life moves on. So what do I do? And the question becomes, well, what do I do? Well, I have to face my fears, or I have to learn to live with them. And I have to forgive myself, the people who've hurt me. I probably need to spend some time trying to understand some of these events and programming. The probably in there is the sound of my fear leaving the door open to not going to therapy. <laughs> but above all, I have to have faith, and I have to quiet down, and I have to wait for grace. I think ultimately one has to kind of wait for grace. I have to do the work because the work and the practices alone will help to quiet me down, reduce my agitation. And I also have to accept that the process, the freeing myself from this pain is going to take a little time. It's going to take a lot of honesty and it's going to take a lot of grace. And this demands optimism and the ability to shift perspectives. And as Jonah Tolchin says, to see the beauty in the ugliest days. And that's what we're all confronted with. I think. <laughs>
of courage in your heart to ride with the way it's up to you to see the beauty in the ugly yesterday it's all up to you to see the beauty in the ugly yesterday The Happy Hour House Band, Tommy Marr on the dobro, Mike Ashworth on the bass and the drums. Thanks again for tuning in. We're going to take a short break for our sponsors, and we will be right back with the fabulous Nikki Bloom. The Travis Book Happy Hour is brought to you by Americana Vibes, presenting the new record, Trance Banjo, by the infamous string dusters, Chris Pandolfi. Trance Banjo delivers a unique combination of modern, melodic banjo compositions along with lush symphonic vinyl samples, beats, futuristic software instruments, strings, analog synths, and more. Look for Trance Banjo out now on Americana Vibes, wherever your music is found. This episode of The Happy Hour is brought to you in part by Area 22 Guitars in Brevard, North Carolina. Area 22 carries the finest in American-made acoustic instruments, boutique tube amplifiers, and boutique pedals. Visit in person in the Brevard Lumberyard District on King Street or online at area22guitars.com. If you're enjoying the happy hour, tip the band and crew anytime at paypal.me forward slash travisbook1 or on Venmo at travisbook. And once again, your host, Travis Book. Thank you, Bill. And thank you, house band. God, I love you guys so much. Thank you, son. I'm like, I'm almost in tears. You know, we also all have the same hairstyle, which is really sweet. You guys are the best. Hey, I know why you're here tonight, and, and it's, it's to see this amazing and wonderful person uh, that we know as Nikki Bloom. She's been my friend for a very long time, and I cannot wait to get her up here and talk to her. Please make welcome to the happy hour, the one and only Nikki Bloom. Hello. Welcome to Western North Carolina. Thank you. That's where we are. Okay, right. That's where we are. That's where, that's where we are today. You doing okay? Yeah, other than just like, you know, there's this whole added element now of like shows, which is the streaming live part. Totally. So I was just back there like trying to log into my Facebook page and I'm locked oh, yeah. out because I'm in a different town and it's not recognizing it. So y Yeah, I, ex Sorry. I experience a little bit of that drama Ugh. every time I do this God, show. It's stressful. Yeah. But this is where, you know, I mean, everybody out there, wonderful. Everybody out here, amazing. Yeah. Like, we're together. Yeah, and uh, for, for, the, for those of you watching at home, you know, if you are in the area, we have a... I mean, it's all relatively safe. It's all relative, but it seems like a very safe little situation here. We're following Feels protocol, good. and it is a joy to have some of you joining us here. <clears throat> so, let's get into it. Nikki, you came up, you kind of came up in the California music scene. You formed Nikki Bloom and the Gramblers with, with your ex-husband and friends. That band was really built around your voice, I thought. Well, thanks. I mean, and, and I absolutely love the way you sing. Thank I mean, you. as someone said it to me last night, they were like, you know, it's like the, the old saying, she could sing the phone book. You know, it's just really wonderful. I wonder, how did you discover singing? And have you always sung? Has it always been a part of your life? Yes. Um, it, it has always been a part of my life. I think that the earliest memories, I think the like, biggest musical impression as a kid was when Whitney Houston sang the national anthem Amazing. in her like tracksuit. Oh. I was a huge Whitney Houston fan. I mean, oh just God. like studied every movement of her voice. Sorry, my dog is also a singer and she's back there. She can hear Do your you voice. Do you hear her yelping? Yeah, I just want to be like, birdie. Uh -oh. um, <laughs> but yeah, and so, you know, I never shared it with anybody, but I would always sing in the shower. My bathroom when I was a kid had really good acoustics. And I figured out if I like just put my head in the corner of the shower, 
I could get this amazing reverb and it was it was cool as a kid you know you don't really know what's happening but you know that like you're doing something that is pleasing to you um and then I got into like uh you know I had like a double um cassette tape recorder Mm -hmm. and so you could put the tape in and you could play your favorite songs then you could put the blank tape in and then you could record harmony to that tape. So I, I spent hours in my bathroom as a kid. I had a goldfish ginger, and she lived. I got her when I was eight, I and she this. lived until I was a freshman in college. And I think it's because of two things. One, I sang to her all the time. And two, I feel like the Windex from cleaning the mirror above the sink, like, I don't know, was like formaldehyde or like it preserved her in some yeah. really weird way. Okay, I buy that. But yeah, so so Whitney Houston singing in the shower, singing to myself, and then my brother just crushed that whole thing when we were on a road trip. I was probably, I don't know, nine, and he's got his headphones on, he's listening to his cassette tape, and he's like laughing, and he puts it on his best friend's ears, and his best friend starts laughing, and I'm like, what are you guys listening to? He puts it on my ears, and it's a recording of me singing the national anthem in the shower, and I'm just like mortified. I don't think I sang for a long time (laughs) after that. I mean, that's a fairly fairly traumatic version of a story that's really common for people who who want to sing, is that all all it takes is like at some point you open your mouth. I mean, and this happens with everything, anything creative, anytime you're trying to be yourself. Like one little, I always think about this with my kids, like, the things that I remember, I tell my dad little things that he said to me, and they've stuck with me, and he doesn't remember saying them. The littlest oh, thing can yeah. really like <clears throat> derail something like that, and Big it's time. really sad. I was teaching a, a, an online workshop about finding your own voice, and that's something that I know a lot of people, like, that's something that a lot of people have in common. There's like a moment where they kind of got like derailed from feeling, like discovering their authentic self. Totally. It takes a lot of, of work <laughs> to yeah. just keep your spirit, to keep your inner world peaceful yeah so you were singing some you were singing some and then when your your brother kind of broke your heart what did it take for you to get back into it oh i don't know i think just like whitney houston came out with another record and i was like "Ooh, i want to sing that song i don't know i mean he was luckily the the more like i have two brothers two older brothers he was the more um, outwardly loving brother, and so he probably apologized and you know was kind about it and he, built me back up in some way. He made it up to you, and then and then you found yourself in California and you were you started singing with people. Yeah, yeah. I was born and raised in Northern California. Um, both my parents are from New York, and so I feel like I'm part New Yorker, even though I'm not. But is anybody from New York out here? No. Okay. Well, I can um, tell you were raised by New Yorkers. Really? Yeah, we absolutely. But see, that's the funniest thing, and it's weird, and it's like, that's why I love, like, Seinfeld and Larry David, like, that kind of humor. My mom's also Jewish. My dad's Italian. So our house was just like, you know, nobody ever could get a word in edgewise. Everybody was talking over everybody, and um, yeah, so I I did. I, I started in California, and I really stayed there until four years ago when I moved to Nashville. That's cool. So you were... You had the Gramblers. That was a great band. Incredible group of guys. Um, yeah. So so much fun. You sung with a lot of musicians. You shared the stage like with the Wood Brothers, George Porter. You worked with the man himself, Phil Lesh. Yes. As a member of Phil and Friends. But surely, surely your greatest joy, your greatest <laughs> honor, must have been touring with the infamous String Dusters. You know, you you kid, but it was like an incredibly special, incredibly special. <laughs> year it it really did kind of stretch out to be a year of touring i mean it was like the focus three months in the bus but then it kind of trickled into a longer period of time which i was delighted about well it worked so well and you were um it it was essential for us we were we were touring this record that we really loved Mm -hmm. this this ladies and gentlemen project we really needed we needed you and 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 you had the the gramblers had ended not you know we're taking a hiatus or or whatever point the, the point is you had a little bit of free time, and so right. once you came out with us, it didn't take long for us to realize, like, we were like, as long as she's cool with this, you know, hanging out on the bus with us and playing these gigs, we should probably keep doing it. And then, and then you know, fortunately, like, promoters caught wind of it, and so we got some offers, and, you know, you're able to join us at, at Telluride and a bunch of other great festivals, mm-hmm. and that was such a great era for our band. Mm, it was so fun. It really... It was it really so was. fun. That's where I will credit both my brothers because I feel like they really prepared me 
for life on the road, being in a bus with a bunch of dudes. You, you handled yourself with great aplomb, as they say. Um, you, did a, you do a very good job of making, you did a very good job of making yourself scarce, which is always admirable <laughs> in a bus mate. Yes, And you it's were true. usually the first one to bed. And That's you were true. you were up and out of the bus and like living your best life during the day. I think at that the time I was like actually I was so excited to be back on a bus. I was like I can go to yoga. I was finding yoga yeah. classes. <laughs> I was walking. I mean, being in a bus and being in a van. Those worlds of touring are night and day. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's 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 very unique. Yeah. The band is talking. We're discussing the prospects of going out on a bus again, and it's I've got a little bit of. Um, trauma around it. It's around the bus? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's living in that tube with 11 people. Is yeah. 11 is a lot. I think eight, 8 is like the prime. I don't think 8 is a prime number, but it is the prime number in a bus. That was in my crossword today. I know 7 and 11 are prime numbers, but I don't remember exactly what a prime number is. It's, an, it's, it's not a number that, that can't be divided by anything. Oh, is I'm that right? I'm so embarrassed that I don't actually know <laughs> what it is. Um, we're not mathematicians. We're musicians. I know they sound similar, but... Yeah, I mean, music is math, but it's not it's prime true. numbers. Yeah, especially if you ask Bill Lesh, music, <laughs> music is math. So, speaking of music, you've been writing a lot of music. Yes. Um, and it's... Trying. And, and it's on topic. That is to say, you aren't writing random ideas. You're writing... It seems like you're really writing from your direct experience. And, yeah, and for better from, or worse. Well, I, I was going to ask, are you using this... As a, as a way to sort of like work through this stuff? Or are these just, are these song ideas just sort of coming out? I mean, what is the process like? Mm. Is it, do you find it difficult to perform any of this music? Um, I think that my last record, To Rise You Gotta Fall, um, I was definitely working through a divorce. I was working through a lot of personal changes and growth and heartache and, you know, all the things that come with you know, the termination of a relationship. And it wasn't just a marriage, but it was also my writing partner and a bandmate, and it was kind of my world. And I had met him at a very formative time in my life. Um, and so that was a big one. And it did feel really cathartic for me to write, and it was a release. And I've had that experience multiple times before that and after that, which is when I can write a song that encapsulates a feeling, I can kind of put it away. You oh. know, it's like, it's like, it's like preserved and I don't have to carry it with me anymore. Right. You know, it's like, it's there. And so, you know, it's, it's definitely hard to put yourself out there like that. Right. Like I think I got a couple of reviews, one that totally squashed me. That was like, it's like reading the inside of Nikki Bloom's journal. And I was like, I'm sorry. Why I do you read to, reviews? You know, ugh, it was Aren't, a mistake. Don't you, have, don't you have good people around you to mm. remind you not to I do stupid things like time. that? No, I'm sorry. And it was crushing, and I remember it was like the first day touring that record, and I was like, oh. yeah, it was brutal. Um, but, you know, when I can think about redoing, you know, going live with those songs, even if you're past the emotion of it, um, I started to think of it as service work, right? Because the one thing we have in common in, as humans is that we all get our hearts broken. I think that there's a statistic that says everybody gets their heart broken twice. Um, but we all do it, or we break somebody else's heart, which is also really awful. Um, and so when I could think of it as being like service work, like, okay, I'm past this, I've put this in a neat little song, and I'm over it, also with a lot of therapy and time and patience. Um, but, you know, when, when I could start to think of it after the bad review, as like, you know what, this is service work. I want to help other people who might be experiencing the same amount of pain. And if I can give them any bit of solace or just feeling less alone, totally. that was huge for me because I know music did that for me. I mean, I remember playing songs on repeat when I was having breakups and it was like, it saved me. Music um, really saved me emotionally. And so if I could do a fraction of that for somebody else, that was reason enough to keep playing the songs. That's really... <laughs> That's a beautiful perspective, sort of seeing it as, as, as service, because that's that, that's actually and that even seems to me to be like a fairly enlightened way of, of viewing your your sort of role in all of this. Um, and I think to some extent, I sort of share share sort of a similar perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's like you know, this profession is so ego based, and it takes such um, like the self-promotion that it takes is just exhausting and it's for me 
it's the part I least enjoy. And when you can remove that part a little bit and think of it more as, you know, sharing and, and having it be more community-based, it just feels better. It resonates more with my heart. Yeah. You know what helps me, too, is to not... I don't get so attached to myself as the songwriter of a mm. song. I, I, it, it's easier for me if I think of a song as sort of a, almost existing in some sense before I help bring it into form. And that allows me to be mm. le much less attached to it. Not only if people like it or not, but it also like, can kind of keep me from getting sort of lost in it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I get that. Although whenever I hear songwriters be like, I don't know, it just came through me. I was just the vessel. I'm like... Why doesn't that ever happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> in your song, uh, you're going to play it for us later here, Juniper Woodsmoke, you sing about uh, 10 years not being a failure. That's mm. like the bridge on that. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Because um, that's really how I feel about, about my marriage, which is, you know, still, yeah. from one perspective, still in the process of failing. Yeah. Right? Wow. Or, or I haven't, I heard a friend the other day who he, he just finally... Um, he finally finalized his, his divorce and he said, um, I just, I think he said, I just completed my third marriage. Whoa, I gotta, I gotta think about that. I just completed, oh right. Like, it was his third it's marriage. The cycle, yeah, yeah, yeah. And got he was it. divorced a third time and well, he completed honestly, it. Instead of it was like, an, it, was, it yes. wasn't like this, it wasn't like, oh, I, or I crashed into the mountain. Yeah. It was like, I did the thing. Yeah. It's like the show starts and then yeah. the show ends. Yeah. The curtains draw, you know, yeah. and I thought that that was an interesting perspective. Yeah, I remember the the first time I started talking about my divorce publicly, I was playing a show, and Amanda Shires was opening. It, it was with you guys, with Ryan. Oh, yeah. And um, she said, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? How's, you know, I think she asked about Tim. How's Tim? And I said, oh, we're actually getting a divorce. And she just looked at me, and she goes, congratulations. Huh. And I was like, <laughs> thank you? Yeah. And then I remember being like, thank you. Yeah, you know, 10 years with somebody, that's a long time. And so is 50 years, and so is a lifetime. But it's all relative, right? And so, you know, I think that divorce has such a stigma attached to it. And, you know, coming from that Italian, Roman Catholic, Jewish family, it was like, you don't get divorced. I think that my brother, my not-so-nice brother, <laughs> said to, to, to my now ex-husband, before we got married, Fraolis don't get divorced. That's my maiden name, Fraoli. And, um, you know, turns out they do. Turns, turns out, out they do. Turns out they do. This and, one does. And it's okay. And it's, you know, the stigma is really real. And I think that, you know, of course, everybody would love to stay married forever and have it work. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't. And, and I don't think that that's necessarily a failure. I think that it's a completion of the relationship. Because you have to think, especially when there's kids involved, it's like, what kind of example do you want to be setting for love and marriage for your kids? Um, do you stay together just to stay together? I mean, this is a very hot topic, and I don't mean to, you know, preach about it at all. But in my experience, I have come to a place where I feel um, it feels better to me to resonate with it as, man, the years that were good, we did a good job. Right. And then you move on, and you find other things and better things and maybe more suiting things. Well, and if you find yourself in a place where you're standing here today, you woke up this morning and you're like, yeah, this is a pretty cool existence, then yeah. you, can, you can have nothing but gratitude for everything that's come before it. Yes. Because without, because, I mean, you know, that's just how it works. Yes. You don't I, get this without everything that comes before. That's right. Um, Matthew McConaughey has a new book out. <laughs> a friend just gave it to me today. I'm sure. So, you know, I got it on audiobook, which I love Matthew McConaughey's voice. Um, he has a story in the call map that I love, but when he reads his own book, I want to be like, okay, okay, Matthew, just simmer down. Well, even, even the way he writes it, you, I can hear it. You, you don't have to have him read it. You can read it, and in, in it comes yeah, in his voice. He's, he's basically the character from Dazed and Confused, he, he the is. whole book. But one thing that he says so that he I is, love, I, I mean, he says a lot of good things in the book, and it's a great book, but the one thing that I love the most is he said, the, the name of the book is Green Lights, but what he says is, yellow lights and red lights are all green in the rearview mirror. And that's really true. It's like when you get, you know, denied or something doesn't happen or go the way you want, how many times have you been like, man, I'm glad that didn't happen because if that had happened, I would never have met, I would have never have gotten, I would have never, you know, it's like we have to trust in something bigger, whatever that is, 
um, that there's some kind of plan because otherwise it would be way too scary. <laughs> well, and that's the kind of long view that allows you to be in the midst of the shit yeah. and to be like, well, yeah, this is pretty, this is pretty ugly, but it can't go on like this forever. Well, that's right. You know, and knowing that, that temporary. If, yeah. And, and, and all, and this, and the same, the same is true for when things are great. I mean, it just, it just keeps going. You talk about last night, you mentioned forgiveness and you said this cool thing. He says that forgiveness doesn't require two. Yeah. That took me a while to figure out. Yeah. I mean, I think I got to a place where, especially in my divorce or whatever, maybe you have like a tangle with a friend and you have expectations attached to an outcome, right? Like, Oh, maybe he's going to figure out the ways of his wrongs and he's going to come and he's going to, you know, see eye to eye and we're going to square this up. And, you know, what I really started to realize is that those popular sayings aren't popular for no reason. So you can't draw blood from a stone. I remember when that like really resonated with me and I was like, I'm trying to get, I have an expectation of a person that they're never going to be able to meet. Never, ever, ever. And I've got to accept that because if I don't accept it, then I'm suffering. Well, that's, you know? that's, that's I'm the, the one that's suffering. That's what you're pointing at is that, right. is, that, is that if you're holding on to any sort of resentment, there is one being that is carrying the burden of that suffering and it's, yeah. and it's you. Yeah. And I, and I think that when you can accept the way things are, that's when your suffering softens. Acceptance, right? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. There's like a there's like a sweet spot between um, effort and surrender. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And yeah. that's and that's the dance. Yep. Yeah, forgiveness. It'll it'll set you free, right? So we talk. I mean, we we sort we maybe sort of touched on this already, but you're you know you're you're someone who's growing. You're continuing to evolve further. Where where do you think you're heading? And and what's your goal of your purpose? Or what orients you? Hmm. Hmm. Now it feels like what orients me is my dog. I mean, I've had a, a, a dog for a, oh, she's about to be a year now. And it's funny, um, I said something to somebody at some point, and I was like, sorry, I'm just, you know, like obsessed with my dog. And they're like, that's okay. There's a lot of other things that are way worse to be obsessed with than a dog. You know, she gets me out. I go walking with her. I've got, you know, a schedule to keep. She keeps me company. She makes me laugh. She, she also pisses me off and, you know, she does all the things, but I love her and it's such a pure love. And, um, so that's been orienting me. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm making a record right now and that feels really good. I don't know what I'll do with it. I don't know the future of music or what that's going to look like, but it feels good to be working on things and to be creative and to play and to see old friends and, you know, just kind of like put your feet back in the water um, into the old way of living. But I don't think that, you know, we're necessarily going to go back to normal, and, nor maybe should we, because I think we're all seeing that there's this beauty and balance, right? For me, balance, finding moderation is the key. Like, I would love to keep playing shows, but I've also really enjoyed being home and having roots, and I've never stayed in one place this long since probably I lived with my parents, you know, and it's like, yeah. I like sleeping in my bed and I like having a dog and I like having a garden. And, you know, we've talked about this too. It's like, surely there's got to be a way to find um, some kind of balance. So that's sort of what's steering me now is like, how do I, you know, continue on in my life and find um, some inner tranquility and, and balance? Yeah. <laughs> she agrees. <laughs> um, let, me, let me ask you some random questions <clears throat> You okay with some randomness? Sure Alright, um, if you could spend a week Anywhere in the known universe Where would you go? Oh my god, anywhere in the known universe? Whoa um, I mean, I really like Earth well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm like, I just wanted to open up the full Earth range of possibilities. I'm, I'm a grounded um, uh, person. I have to say the thing that I'm missing so much about living in Nashville is my proximity to the ocean. So I would mm. stay on Earth. I really actually would stay on Earth. I love Earth so much. I love the trees. I love the ocean. I love the mountains. 
I'd probably go, I don't know, maybe to like Big Sur. And so I have the mountains and I have the ocean and get a little cabin and have my dog and I don't know, get to eat at the Big Sur bakery every day. I mean, that sounds great. <clears throat> soak in the hot springs and I kind of feel like I could have guessed that that would have been your answer. Yeah, that's a, that's a good answer. What um, what is something that you learned from your mother? Put on sunscreen every day. Like well, she literally, <laughs> she literally. So my mom, my mom <laughs> is a registered nurse. She's also um, she grew up at, like as a personal trainer. She was in the newspaper because she used to roller skate in like really cute outfits. And one day they were like. You, we want you to be in the Contra Costa Times. Yes. Um, she had her own aerobic studio. So she really taught me like how to take care of my body, um, how to eat well. She taught me a lot about nutrition, taking vitamins, but also being the Jewish mother that she is. And I'm 41, and she still says, Nikki, are you taking your vitamins? Are you putting sunscreen on every morning? And I'm like, mother, you've got to trust that you've done a good job. Okay. Yes. I'm wearing my sunscreen. When are you going to let go? Moms but I, can't but let I go. But I do appreciate that. No, she goes, honey, I know I'm trying, but I'm always going to be your mother. And I'm always going to worry about your skin. And I'm just like, oh my God. But no, honestly, wearing sunscreen every day, um, for all the young women out there, do it. Like now, starting, even if it's cloudy outside. It really does make a difference, I think. I yeah, mean, I've, I've done a ton of damage to my nose. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I wish I'd worn a lot more sunscreen. I know. It's never too late, though. That's a no. good. That's a good lesson. We can all it's learn from that. Never too late. Um, do you have? Is your, is your grandmother still alive? So I have two. One of them passed away this year, but she made it to a hundred. Holy! My grandma Fran, that's who awesome. I just adore. I really, really miss her. And my grandma Vi is going to be a hundred, and she's still alive. She's going to be a hundred in November. Wow. I know. That's incredible. I know. You got to be feeling good about your odds. I mean, but here's the thing. My grandma Fran, she goes, she, every time she would see me, oh, Nicky, 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 Nicky. She, she was so sweet. And every time I would call her, she'd be so happy to hear me. And I know that she wasn't happy to hear everybody on, on the other line of the phone, but she was always happy to hear my voice. And um, she said that it was great up until her 90s. And she said her 90s sucked. Yeah, my, So, is it a blessing? I my, don't know. My grandmother is deep into her 90s, and when I call her up, I can tell that, like, she can't see very well, yeah. so she, you know, she, can't, she has a hard time, like, watching TV. Like, she can't read. She's <laughs> yeah. kind of just, like, she's kind of getting bored. Yeah. And she's a little bit like my grandfather was, where he was kind of like, my grandfather, like, he was, like, on, you know, essentially, like, on his deathbed and just kind of waiting, and he was, like... He kept saying, like, maybe God's got some other gig, like some other thing for me to do. Like, maybe my mission's not done. He's like, because I can't figure out what the heck I'm still doing here, you know? And, and I often wonder, like, that it, it, it must be, I hope that I can see how that feels to be 95. You want to you grow old? I, I don't see any harm in it. I don't expect to. Yeah. Um, and I'm not attached to it. But I don't, see, I don't see why that wouldn't be interesting. But I could see the 90s might be tough. Well, you have kids, too, so at least they'll come visit you. See, I don't have any kids, and Birdie will be dead by the time I'm 95. So I just have to keep getting dogs, I guess. Yeah, that's a common method. Yes, yeah. so we've got some dog lovers in the house. <laughs> um, this is a simple one. What color is your front door? Red. So is mine. That's awesome. Uh, what, what do you hope for? Um, well... I probably, the thing I'm working on right now, like I, I kind of talked about earlier, is just finding balance, inner tranquility, really that. Like, there's so much chaos happening in the world in so many ways, and the, the currents, I mean, I can ruminate like no other. One little grain of sand. I mean, if my ruminations turned to pearls, I would have strings <laughs> of them all over myself. So... Really, my hope is that I can find a, a more peaceful inner landscape, and I'm working on it. I'm actually doing a yoga teacher training right now, 200-hour yoga teacher training. Amazing. Not that I'm going to be a yoga teacher, but I'm hoping that it helps me get some life skills 
and um, yeah, just ways to move through life because it's so beautiful. And like I said, I do love Earth so much. And um, my grandmothers are both, uh, you know, one lived to 100 and the other is well on her way. So I may have... You may have a lot of Earth left. I may have some Earth left. You may have some Earth Knock left in wood. you. Um, so, you know, I want to move that through, through that with intention and um, perspective and a little tranquility. That's my hope. I hope that for you, too. I honestly, I hope that for everybody. I hope that for everybody. I mean, that's, that's something that I, I, I'm, I'm getting to where I, things like I would, like a bumper, you no, know, an inflammatory bumper sticker. And I could go on and on about, mm. like, if I might digress for 30 seconds. Yeah. I cannot understand this phenomenon where you, you, you could put anything on your car and you put some <laughs> statement that is intended purely to piss off people that you don't know and that you'll never meet. As you drive around, it's purely just to infuriate and insult people you don't know. And I cannot understand for the life of me why people do that. You're going to love Matthew McConaughey's book. I, he, he talks about bumper stickers the whole way through it. Oh, my God. It just, it really bothers me when you see these, like, even like, even like, it used to be like you'd see like a truck and it would it'd be like a Chevy truck with Calvin minterating on a Ford symbol. Yeah, that was... And then there'd be another one with a Ford minterating on a Chevy <laughs> symbol. And I just, like, that... It's, it's, like, it's like the human equivalent of some monkeys in a cage, angry, hurling shit at each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know the, the bumper sticker <sighs> I like? I like the coexist bumper sticker with all the different symbols. And, you know, it's just like, man, remember when we could just, like, tolerate each other? You know? Y- well, that's something that I'm finding. I, mean, I don't is... know if we ever could, actually. Well, that, that's another hope that I have is tolerance. Yeah. Well, I'm, I was going to say, I'm finding that like, I'll see these inflammatory things that would usually, I won't say triggered, because that's not the right appro- term, but like elicit a response in me. And instead of being like, what is that? It's more of like a, oh, bummer. Like, I feel like compassion mm. for people who are so angry and so upset and so um, confused, you mm. know? Whereas I used to feel like I, there needed to be like some sort of oppositional force against. Uh, 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 whatever it may be. Um, but then don't you kind of just wish that like your biggest concern was like Ford's better than Chevy. Like <laughs> that'd be such a great place to live in. Just like, that's what I get, care about. That's like, that's that. Mer. Wake up in the morning and you're like, God damn them Ford drivers. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe they're that still out there buying them very Fords. refreshing to me. You're like not worried about anything but <laughs> yeah. truck. Yeah. Well, we're so... We're so grateful that you joined us here tonight. So happy to have you. Everybody, that's Nikki Bloom. Thanks, Nikki. Yeah, thank you. Um, is, is it my turn to sing? It is. I'll turn the floor over to you. I saw Mary and a woman come running to the city to talk about the man she saw. She took a picture and went to the well, the water she intended to draw. Well, a stranger she met there, she didn't know where he came from, but it told her every single thing she had done. Oh, blessed my soul and was gone. Mm, the stranger was getting heat in the city. He was standing off in angry mob. Defending a woman who'd been caught in the very act of adultery of pity and mercy she saw she said he who is without sin cast the first stone and then he raised up from the fire over accusing they were gone gave a smile 
Blessed my soul and was gone. Mm, her friends in town asked her, Do you know the man? She said, No, I never saw him before. They asked her, Well, didn't you get his name? She said, He didn't tell me, and I don't know. But whoa, when he spoke, my soul it caught on fire, and I remember this day till the day I die. He walked by, blessed my soul and was gone <clears throat> yeah this is um a song that's on my my most current release to rise you gotta fall um it's called It's Okay Not to Be Okay. Because it is okay not to be okay, as, as we are learning. And Travis, I just have to give you a lot of credit for being vulnerable and talking about real shit. Thank you. You're welcome. It's very important. Vulnerability is, um, is a strength. And you know, when somebody says like, how are you doing? I have intentionally stop saying, good, how are you? And being like, how am I? I'm not that great. I'm tired. I'm, you know, validating our own feelings and knowing that they're fleeting. Shall we?
Till you know better 
So I went looking for some perspective And I knocked on my mama's door My heart was filled with sorrow And I collapsed right there on the floor She said, girl, you best not cry any longer Life is cruel and it just gets harder But what doesn't kill you makes your story longer This has been the Travis Book Happy Hour Podcast. Thanks for listening. Huge thanks to Nikki Bloom, Mike Ashworth, Tommy Marr, Ardo Rosenberg, Andy Eubanks, Thompson Guitar, and Americana Vibes. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and leave a positive review. It really, really helps us out. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Travis Book Happy Hour. And full unedited episodes with video can be viewed anytime at thetravisbookhappyhour.com. Mm-hmm.